Good morning. All right, we're going to dig into God's Word together. It's good to be here. Just a quick reminder, it was already announced by Josh, but you can go to the online worship guide. You know, you've got the QR code, scan that. There's going to be their announcements for the church, a lot of great things going on. Also, also, there's going to be an outline for you there to follow along with the message today. And that brings me to introducing our guest speaker. I have the privilege to introduce our guest speaker this morning, a good friend of mine, uh, David Putman. So just a couple of things I wanted to make sure that I said. Uh, David has worn many hats. Um, he's been himself a pastor's kid, so a PK. Um, he has planted churches. Uh, he's been a pastor. He's been a consultant to churches, um, author of books, CrossFitter. I know you wanted me to get that in. Um, a coach, a mentor, husband, father, granddad. And so like many of us, you know, has worn a lot of hats, wears a lot of hats. So David, uh, he lives in Atlanta with his wife, Tammy, and near uh, their two kids and their three grandkids. And so when we set out to buy this building, the one that, that we're all sitting in this morning, when we set out to buy this building, I remember we reached out um, to get some help, some encouragement, because we had not done that before. And that is how we met David. And that is seven years ago, maybe. And I remember him uh, encouraging me that if you're going to buy this building, you've got to have a clear vision for your church. Um, it's got to really be clear. Why are you doing it? And so we spent some time as a church working with David, um, getting encouragement to just, just get our vision clear and then uh, do a campaign and ask people to give above and beyond to, to buy the building. And so that was then. And now in this past year, in this past year, 2023, I've consistently and frequently met with David just as a personal mentor. And so um, he has had a huge impact on our church in, in ways that we don't all perceive, but just by encouraging me through lots of things this past year. And so I wanted him to come and encourage you all and preach the word and share. And so David, if you'll come now um, and you know, if you guys will welcome him. Appreciate you brother. And I was sitting there listening to that. I said, I want to meet this guy. Uh, the other thought I had was, well, I hope he figures out who he wants to be one day, you know. Uh, it is so good to be here today, and Matt is a good friend, and uh, it's been great just sort of walking with him and alongside him and being able to encourage him and be encouraged by him over the last about seven or eight years. Um, I've, uh, you know, as I am preparing today, um, the way I want to really connect with you guys is I'm just one of you. And what I'm going to share with you today, I think, I think my gifts are, um, Matt, I think they're more like encouragement, exhortation. Like I like to root people on and see you do things that maybe you can do and you know you can do, but you just need a little sort of encouragement. And, um, and so what I'm going to do today is I'm going to share out of God's Word. Uh, we're going to look at a passage of Scripture that we really know well, uh, but we're going to try to look sort of 
Um, this is going to be about the simplest message that you can hear, I hope. Because I have a principle, I have a value in my life, and everything uh, I do, I, my value is it's got to be simple enough to reproduce. And so I hope that you could actually just go preach this message to someone today, you know, when we get through. But as I come to you, um, the way I sort of view myself right now that I want you to view me as is just one of you. I, um, I've done a lot of stuff. Uh, I work with churches around a lot of places, but when I'm David and I'm at home, I'm you. I'm, I'm a part of the body of Christ. You know, I'm a volunteer. I'm a disciple maker. I'm a crossfitter. I'm a husband. I'm a father. I live my life. So the way I look at it, how many of you travel with your work? Anybody? Some of you travel. You know, we travel less, don't we? Isn't it the good thing? One of the good things came out of COVID is I don't have to travel as much as I used to. Now I just Zoom all the time. How many of you Zoom? Everybody Zooms, right? Um, but um, so the way I look at my life is I travel uh, and do my uh, ministry, and then I come home and I'm just an ordinary disciple trying to follow Jesus and figure it out just like you. So that's, does that make sense? That's the perspective I want you to hear me from today. And not when I get through, go, well, he's a pastor. You know, he can say that, but that's not for us. Um, so let me, let me just get started by, uh, and, and by the way, I'm a storyteller. Okay. So you'll have to listen, endear my, uh, or in, yeah, endear would be good. I meant to say endure, but endear my, my, my ongoing stories that I'll tell over and over again. But I, is this service streamed, by the way? No? Uh, good. I was going to say something about my wife, and I was afraid she might be listening. <laughs> oh, I feel so much better now. Uh, but I, I do want to begin with a confession, but I wanted to confess to you, not to her, and, and so there's a lot of times we have grown children, grandchildren, all that. And so we spend a lot of time together. And we really have a neat relationship where, like many of you that have been around a long time, it just sort of gets better. You know, we really enjoy being around one another. And um, we do have a lot of conversations, but what typically happens is she sits on one side of this big sectional in our living room, and I sit on the other side, and we do a lot of conversation, and, and when she's telling me something, maybe you can relate to this, she like gets into a lot of details. So she'll be talking about, you know, my friend Anne, the one who came over that time, had her hair braided and had this on. You know what I'm saying here. And that's my excuse, okay? So, so, I, so I begin to tune out. I'm looking at her, but I've got that look on my face. And, and then all of a sudden I realize that she is going somewhere and she's about to ask, I mean, this is five, ten minutes into the conversation, and she is about to ask me a very, very specific question. And I have no clue, absolutely no clue what she is about to ask. Here's what I'll do. I'm glad she's not watching. I'll go, so now, hun, 
do me a favor. I really want to get this. So I want you to make it as, as concise as possible and repeat what you just said and ask your question. You know, just put it, wrap it up real tight, and she'll do that. And I get off the hook. And I'll answer the question. Now, I think she's caught on to me because yesterday she looked at me and she says, you're not listening to me. And I said, yeah, you're right, you're right. But, but, I, but I say that because I think that's not a, I mean, it is a David problem, but it's a bit of a human problem. And the more familiar we become with, with one another, and the more familiar we become with other things, the less we notice, the less we pay attention, the less we listen. And, and, and I was thinking about it because I think we do that with, the, with God. Like, we already know that, right? I already know that verse. I already read that. I had people tell me that all the time, Matt. I already read that. Hey, let me share. Oh, I already read that. Let me share. No, I already read that. And, and so sometimes I think it's what Jesus says over and over again, 15 times over and over again, uh, that, that you know, he, he tells us, he says, he that has ears, let him what? Let him hear. And I think it's something like 550 times in the Bible, the reference is to listening. And, I, and I'm a real fan of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I read them repeatedly all the time. I just finish and I go back to the beginning. And I, I love them. They never get old. And, and one of the things that really is always drawing me in about the Gospels is how Jesus is constantly telling me or telling us through His Word to do what? To listen. I mean, uh, and, and God, you know, at the transfiguration, what was the words that came from heaven? It was, this is my son. Now, what? Listen to him. And, and, you know, right in the middle of the interpretation of the parable, Jesus quotes Isaiah and He says, hearing, you don't hear. You don't perceive. And, and so as I was thinking about that, I thought how, how that so oftentimes it becomes, the Word becomes so familiar with me that it just sounds a little bit like white, noise running in the background or you know our favorite Charlie Brown whenever the non-existent adults speak if you notice it's always wah 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 we don't hear it I'll give you an example of this look at John 3:16 don't look at it you don't need to look at it you already know it 
Yeah, matter of fact, we could quote it today. Let's just do that, okay? I, I always like to do this, so help me quote it. For God so the world that He, whoever believe in Him, should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, the reason I stopped, I wanted to hear you. That's not part of my sermon. I just wanted to hear you because I wanted to hear the version you quoted at that end. And some of you quoted it in, a lot of you quoted it in the old King James English, you know. Begotten. That's how I learned it. You just told, uh, uh, you, you told uh, own yourself about how long you've been doing this. Um, but here's my point. My point is, we hear that verse and others all the time. But when's the last time you heard it? Like really heard it. Like you could hear a pin drop heard it. I was reading Scripture this week uh, one morning, and I really needed to hear the Scripture. I was, uh, I was feeling a burden, a weight on me, and it was come unto me, it's Matthew 11, come unto me all ye who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And, and I had this experience, um, and, and I was telling the Lord after I read that, I said, Lord, I really need your rest. I really need to hear you this morning. I need to hear you. I read this all the time. I believe this all the time. I know this all the time. But I need to hear you through your word this morning. And the strangest thing happened. I had this memory of Florency. And Florency was an elderly lady when I was in seminary that um, loved to take care of me. And I remember one day going down to her house. This is not in my sermon notes, so this is extra, and this will cost us a little more time. Okay, so we'll just go longer. Um, but, but Florency, I went down to her house one day, and I was just like, I was taking way too many classes. I was working three jobs. I was... Uh, uh, in debt, I, um, uh, I was totally exhausted and my car was broken down. I was heavy laden. You ever been there? And I, you know, I didn't see any way out and I'll never forget walking into Florence's. I just walked in the door and she just knew. Like she just absolutely knew, and, and, and she's just like, come on in here, and she gives me this big hug, and she's got her best friend, Miss Geneva, with her. So you know, when you're in Geneva and Florence's hands, you are in good hands. And she takes me and she says, tell me about what's going on, tell me about yourself. And she just loves on me, she fixes me something to eat, she literally takes me to the guest room and says, you go lay down, you take care, we're going to take care of everything. And she took care of everything, even my car. And so I'm sitting here trying to hear the Word, and this picture comes to mind, and Jesus says, that's what I'm talking about. 
And so my wife comes in, and it's early in the morning, and she sits down, and I got my journal out, and I said, can I share something with you that I heard from God this morning? And I just opened my journal and began to read my thoughts, and I couldn't read them. I just broke down, and God got really loud in my life. I got this. I got this. Come. Come. I'm like Florency. <laughs> I got this. Really, Florency is like me. Well, the, anyway, like I said, that's really not the message, but the point is, is that we hear the word, but yet we don't hear the word, and it happens way too often in my life. And there's a scripture that I want to share with you today, really as our text, that I want to use to really preach from, but also to sort of teach from and apply this idea of listening to. And uh, it's called, we, we know what it's called, it's, it's Matthew 28, 19, and 20, it's the Great Commission. Um. And, and what I want us to do today with this passage is I, I, I want us to, uh, I, I want us, to, I think probably the most important over the past few years, what God has been teaching me is that one of the most important things I can do is assume a listening posture to Him. And that doesn't sound real exciting, does it? But it opens up the great adventure. Listening to God transforms our life. And so today, I just want to give you some, uh, some tools. You probably already have them, but I'll remind you of them if you do. And I want to walk through this passage of Scripture through the lens of three questions that I use most every day or similar questions when I listen. And sometimes when I prepare my sermons. But I want us to get this idea of listening because it's so critically important today. Alright, so when we look at this passage of Scripture, I want us to look at it through three, three uh, questions. And I want us to, I want, what I'm going to do is I've, I've been listening to God's Word here, and I want you to listen to God's Word. I, I want you to hear God fresh in this passage of Scripture. And so again, it's, it's Matthew 28, and, um, you know, this is, I love sometimes, just read the entire chapter. It sort of sets the whole context we want today. But I am going to begin with verse 16. I think I told you verse 18, so just bear with me. I think 18 may pop up when we get to it. But uh, the, what's happened is Jesus in Matthew's occurrence, uh, accounting of 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 Jesus' life. He has rose from the dead. He has told His disciples to go to Galilee and to meet Him on the mountain. And this is their meetup. Okay? I love this. It says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, 
uh, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. Then in verse 17, I love this, when they saw Him, they worshipped Him. But some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And then I love the way Jesus ends, and He says, Surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, again, you could have quoted that, that, many of you. I could have quoted. I know the Scripture. But the question is, when we hear it, do we really hear it? And what do we hear? And obviously, there's a lot that we can hear here. But but there's three questions that I always use and I want to use today uh, as we listen to what God has to say. And the first question is, what does this passage tell us about Jesus? You see, it's, I think it's really important that, and a great reminder for me to realize that uh, the gospel, the scriptures, the Bible is primarily about Jesus, not about me. And so how I approach the Scripture is going to make an incredible difference in my life. And if I approach it as an autobiography, you know, for myself, if I approach it as if it is all about me before I approach it as it is all about Jesus, then it's going to have an impact on how I see and what I hear. And so when I look at this and I ask the question, you know, and and the way I'd put it, The Great Commission begins with Jesus. This is important. It's Jesus' commission that He gives us, and it's the fact that it is Jesus' commission that makes it great. And it is the Great Commission as we would call it. And so my question becomes here then, in light of that, is what does this passage tell me about Jesus? Now you answer that. I'm going to answer it, but for a moment, pause and reflect, and as you read that Scripture, what stands out to you about Jesus and about His great commission, and the thing that stands out to me is that phrase that He begins in verse 18. I love this. Here is Jesus who was crucified, who has now rose, who is now standing before His disciples, and He says, all authority is given to me in heaven and on earth. (laughs) No wonder they call it the gospel, the good news. And He's really telling them with the Great Commission, hey, you're going to be bearers or heralders of the good news that I'm standing here before you witnessing to you. 
And so when I look at this, what does it tell me about Jesus? It's really pretty simple. This passage tells me that Jesus is King. And if you know a little bit about the Scripture, and I imagine a lot of you do, and know a little bit about Matthew, that you know the entire theme is about God becoming uh, man, Jesus, and, and, and God becoming King Jesus here on earth. All authority, we read the chapters of Matthew and, or, and, and chapter after chapter, we see this phrase, all authority, chapter after chapter, without going into it, we see that He has authority over illness, that He has authority over nature, He has authority over the demonic, He has, a, uh, a, um, he has authority over sin, over life, and over death, over all things. Jesus has authority over all things things. He is King of kings. He is Lord of lords. And He is the one who has given us this wonderful commission, this wonderful good news. I love, I love the way uh, Philippians sums up the kingship of Jesus because I'm reminded that Jesus just wasn't just any kind of king. But Jesus was a very unique, Jesus was the good king. And uh, in Philippians 2, 5-13, through 13, I'm going to read this because I think it's so good. Uh, he's telling us how we are to imitate the King, which is a whole lot a big part of the Great Commission, because I promise you, if you imitate the King, people are going to want to hear about the Great Commission. When we live in common, we can live sin, can't we? And it says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus who being in the very nature of God, listen to this, this is our King, this is King Jesus here, who being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be used to His advantage. Rather, He made Himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. King Jesus, the servant, being made in human likeness, King Jesus the human, and being found in appearance as a man, He humbled Himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. Therefore, here's where we're going, God exalted Him to the highest place, gave Him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, what? Every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that He is Lord. That's where we're headed. Jesus is King of the future. We win. Because He wins. And He's working out His kingship in and through each one of us. So when I look at this, there's so much to see in the Great Commission, and we're not going to get to a lot of it, you know, watching my clock here now. Uh, but what the first thing I see that anchors this Great Commission is Jesus is King. Because I'm asking this question, what does this text that's primarily about Jesus tell me about Him? A second question I like to ask, and this is really... 
one of my favorite in this text, is what does this passage tell me about myself? What does this passage tell me about myself? And when I look at this, if, if here's how I look at it. I, you have to sort of, I'm taking some liberties here, but I think it's all here. When I look at Jesus as king, then I have to ask the question, what does this passage tell me about myself? What does the, how does the, this idea that Jesus is king inform who I am? And the answer is, if He is King, I am His servant. I'm His servant. He is King. He is Lord. I, I am His servant. But, but wait a minute, wait a minute, not just any kind of servant. I mean, I um, was sharing last night with uh, Matt and Josh and the elders, a little bit of my testimony, and I did not grow up uh, in a Christian home first part of my life. I was 12 years old before we knew who Jesus was, and um, my dad was sort of this notorious, mean uh, person who needed a whole lot of Jesus. I had a lot of fear in my life, but he experienced a radical conversion to Christ, and and so that was at 12 years old, and then I started learning about Jesus, and I remember the first time I read Romans 8, <laughs> which ought to have an impact on you, right? Have you read Romans 8 lately? That's some good stuff. Uh, many, many of our favorites, right? But I'll never forget, imagine this, a 12-year-old boy who was living in fear, who was crying out to a God that he didn't even know because I was scared to death that we wouldn't make it and I wouldn't make it. And I was begging this God I didn't know to do something and help my family. And, and He did. And I remember reading, I was trying to figure it out. I was reading Romans 8 and I ran across the Scripture in about verse 14, where he says, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Did you hear that? The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship, and by Him we cry, Abba, Father. Wait a minute, it gets even better. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God, and listen to this, co-heirs with Christ. Not just any kind of servant. A child of God. What does this say about me? A child of God. David Putman is a child of God. Not only am I a child of God, I'm 12 years old now. Not now, but I was. And I'm reading this and I remember 
going upstairs where my mother was in the kitchen, and I said, Mom, is it true? Is it true? I needed a witness. And she says, what? And I read her that scripture. I said, am I a child of God? And does that mean I'm an heir of God? And does that mean I am a co-heir with Christ? And she said, it is true. And it changed my life. Because for the first time, I realized who I was in Jesus. And that I didn't have to be that little scared boy anymore. Because I was in good hands. And so this passage, it, you know, in its essence, it, it informs who we are. That, that God would take the most sacred thing, this good news message, and He would place it in our hands and He would say, go into all of creation and fill all of creation with My glory. And that He would even say, I want to use somebody like this little snotty-nosed kid named David. I um, one of the things that we do in my ordinary life at home is um, we do have an active uh, fitness community, and we have um, been discipling people in that community, and we have a bit of a disciple, what I'd call a disciple-making movement. We have generations of disciples that are making. We've been testing this stuff out and see if it actually works. I've got good news to report. It works really well. I mean, it's like the seed that finds good soil. It grows 30, 60, 100 fold. And so, um, uh, so our CrossFit community has this fitness place right here. Across the um, parking lot is a Waffle House. And we do a lot of disciple making in our Waffle House. And everybody always laughs at me for doing that, saying, oh, yeah, you go work out and then you go have Waffle House. Well, I want you to know you can eat clean at the Waffle House. You know, we call it um, grilled chicken, and it's really good, and eggs. You know, you can get all your protein there. But I went in there one day, and, um, and I, uh, there was some guys in there sitting around that was part of our community who were like generational disciples, okay? Meaning like I had poured into somebody that had poured into somebody that had poured into somebody, and now they're sitting there pouring into somebody. And I, and I used to know everybody that we were discipling. Now we can't keep up with it. But I saw, so anytime I see them, I sit down and I sort of introduce myself and get to know him. And that particular day, I did that as well. And there was this guy sitting there. His name was Joe. And Joe was real uh, loud. He was real uh, obnoxious. He was a new disciple, had not quite figured out the language issue yet, if you know what I'm talking about. And he was Italian, he was from Miami, he was big, he was, tat was tattooed up from his head down to his toe. Just the kind of disciple Jesus loves. And so I, um, 
said to Joe, I said, Joe, would you have breakfast with me one day? And Joe said, yeah, sure, I'll be glad to. He acted like he's actually pretty excited about it. And so in a couple of days, we went to breakfast, and we sat down, and I said, Joe, I want you to know why I invited you to breakfast. I said, the reason I invited you to breakfast is I think that God has His hand on you, and you can be a leader. Now, this is a big, burly guy. I mean, he's big and he's burly and rough and raw. And he immediately starts crying. And he says to me, I've been waiting all my life to hear that. And so, this... Now what's sort of happened, long story short, I don't need to get too much into this, but, but, but Joe and I are working very closely in a discipling relationship where now we're starting new groups from the pagan harvest field. And Joe's leading. I've been waiting all my life. This is the essence of the Great Commission. Uh, I heard others call this, and we call it ourselves, I see in you. You get it? The letters, I see in you. I see in you. (laughs) And I see in you. And when you see in You look at this Great Commission, you ask these questions, hey, what is Jesus saying to me? Uh, You know, or excuse me, uh, what, what does this tell me about Jesus? What does this tell me about myself? And you begin to understand who you are. It changes how you see everyone else. Because that morning that I was in my room and encounter Romans 8 at 12 years old, the Holy Spirit was having an I see and you conversation with me. So, so what does this tell us about ourselves? And when you see Jesus as King, it changes the way we see the Joes. Okay, so two, two questions. You know, what does this commission the Word of God as we hear it today, fresh and anew? What does it tell us about Jesus? He is King. What does it tell us about ourselves that, that, that we are servants, but not just any kind of servants. We are children of God. We are joint heirs with Christ. And then this leads to a third question I always ask. And I think this is so important uh, that I'm learning And this third question, and again, we're talking about hearing God, hearing the Word of God, uh, is number three, what am I going to do about it? When God speaks, it shakes the earth, and it demands a response. 
And so, so this, this, notice the whole, you know, the, the commission, you know, is about what? Going, it's about teaching, it's about obeying in Jesus' name. Going to all the nations, it never leaves you still. It captures you when you're still before Him. But it moves you into motion, we see in this passage. And here's my response today. I am going to, if, if Jesus is king and I am his servant, then I am going to surrender my life to him daily. And so every morning when I get up, I'm going to spend time with God asking these questions around His Word. And I always ask a question when I do this. And, 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 and the question I ask, this is a different question, so this is not one of your three, so don't make this, I hope this isn't confusing to you, but part of my time with God, and by the way, the, what I refer, see, this time I have with God is not uh, a, a daily quiet time, uh, it's not a devotional time, it is what I call my daily surrender to King Jesus time. Because how you see, you know, check, 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 no. This is, hey, this is about rising up early in the morning, assuming a listening posture before God. I, I think Jesus modeled this in the Gospels, did He not? And He's always going off early in the morning and getting with God. And, and this is about that listening posture. And so, to me, it's the most important thing any follower of Jesus can make a part of their life. And so, daily, surrender to the King. Uh, I, another way I like to express it, one of my favorite terminologies for it is, it's the Lordship rhythm. Because either Jesus is Lord, or He's not. It's nothing at all. He didn't call us just to make Him our Savior, to punch our ticket. And when we're discipling people, we just disciple them to Lordship. Our new followers of Christ may not know a whole lot, but they know about lordship. They know the call of God is to surrender their life to Jesus. And so every day when I, when, when, when I try to personally surrender my life to King Jesus, and I'm, you know, Lord knows if you can see the truth, it's messy, it's terrible, it's good, it's wonderful. It's half-hearted. It's full-hearted. You follow what I'm saying? It's real. It's real. But I always ask this question because of the Great Commission. And the question is, who am I going to invite next? 
Like I ask that question every day. Like, and what I mean by that is, is, and it comes out of the scripture, as I go, you know, if you literally read that, uh, it's as I go, as you go, make disciples. And, and, and so the idea behind this is as you go with Jesus, make disciples. If you go on your own, you will have a hard time making disciples. But as you go with Jesus, make disciples. And so when you spend that time daily surrendering your life to God, and you get up and you go with Jesus, then you can be a part of what He's doing. Because it is He that does it, not us. And so I'm always asking, who, uh, who can I invite? And I'm always praying that God would lead me to good soil. Because I've already quoted it, but remember the parable of the sower I mentioned earlier? In that parable, there's four types of soil. And there's only one type of soil that is good soil. And it says that when the seed finds good soil, it bears fruit 30, 60, 100 fold. And then Jesus says, hey, he that has ears, you know, let's hear, let's listen, you know, hearing you don't hear, et cetera, et cetera. And then in verse 13, I think it is, forgive me, I'm pretty sure it's 13. This is what I think is one of the most profound scriptures in that whole text is he says now listen literally i'm quoting now it sounds like i'm having a conversation but i'm quoting now listen you have to get this parable before you can understand any other and so what jesus is doing in that parable is telling us how his kingdom works how the great commission works and it works through multiplication. What I've had to come to realize is that everybody is not going to get it. But when you cast the seed, when you plant the gospel, there's always good soil. And good soil will bear fruit 30, 60, 100 fold. And so this great commission Commission has radically changed the way I do everything. I just go look. I'm, I'm just looking for one good, the good soil. And I, I may go around the world and, and teach in a foreign country, and I just ask God, give me one. I come here, God, give me one. I go to a city, I say, Lord, give me one. Because if His gospel begins to multiply, there is no limit to what God can do. And so when I begin my day surrendered to King Jesus, then I get to be a part of that. I'll give you an example, and then I'm going to wrap up. So I'm on my way over here. I told these guys this last night, so I'm, they'll have to hear it twice. But um, it, I'm just, I love these stories that I get to be a part of them. And so yesterday morning, I surrendering my life to the Lord 
fresh that morning. And I get to the question that I always ask about who am I going to invite next? So I ask three questions about mission. Who am I going to invite next? The second question is who, who, how am I going to, who am I going to, um, what needs am I going to meet or what relationships are I'm, am I going to nurture? And then how am I going to be good news or who am I going to share the gospel with? I ask those three questions every day. Who am I going to invite? Yada, yada, yada. And so I was praying through that part of what I do every morning with the Lord as I surrender my life. And I realized I was going to be on flight and I was going to be in seat 10E. And so in my prayer time and in my journal time, I prayed for the person sitting in 10D and 10F, very specifically. And, and so I got on the flight, and I ended up in a conversation with the person in 10E that I think will be a hundredfold conversation. And it was really cool because she says, what curriculum do you use? And I said, the Bible. And I said, but I got a journal that I use that, you know, that I actually do use. And I said, I always bring an extra one with me, but I don't have an extra one today. I just have the one I started yesterday, today, literally started it today, yesterday, today was the case. And in it, it had all my listenings to God that day, that morning, including my prayers for 10D. And I said, I'm going to give this to you. Sometimes I'll tear my journal pages out if I'm stuck about one. I said, I'm going to leave this one journal page. I said, it'd be a good example of how I personally do it. I said, but I want you to see I've been praying for you, your 10D in my journal. And I didn't even know you. And I just thought, you can't make this stuff up. That's what my wife tells me all the time. We'll go get into something, she'll just look at me and she goes, you can't make this stuff up. And that's my point. Come unto me, all ye that are weary, and I'll give you rest. There's rest in Jesus. There's rest in living faith and living omission, living the Great Commission in Jesus. He says that his, you know, his burden is light. It's easy. His yoke is easy. And that's what I'm talking about today. So, every day... I want to challenge you as you think about the Great Commission and others. You know, I try to get up early and hear, open His Word, hear His voice, bow my knees. He fills me with His Spirit when I'm open to it. And then I get to enter His kingdom as it comes on earth as it is in heaven. Think about it. We get to do this. 
Let me pray for us.